We welcome you to the OTP, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. When it comes to your overall health care coverage, you should be the one to make the call. So call Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Amy Wells alongside with me, Mike Keith. Amy, how are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. Uh, Excited to visit with Mitchell Tenpenny later in this edition of the OTP. Ah, yes. I'm really enjoying all of these interviews with people who love the Titans. I didn't know that we were as cool as we are, but there are some pretty cool people who like the Titans, so that's got to count for something, right? Well, Mitchell Tenpenny is very cool. I don't know if he's as cool as our first guest, however, and that is the color commentator for Titans Radio, Coach Dave McGinnis. Coach Mack, we had to get you in here because – We need some explanation. We need some clarification. We have questions to ask, and we need answers. Let's go, Mike Keith. I'm always good for an answer or two. Uh, You've got a bunch of answers. All right, so let's go through what has happened this week. And the Tennessee Titans have said goodbye to defensive tackle Isaiah Mack, a backup who in six games had two tackles, Thought the Titans might try to re-sign him to the practice squad, but New England claimed him on waivers, so he is a member of the Patriots now. They say goodbye to 30-year-old long snapper Bo Brinkley, who had been struggling over the last month with his snapping. They said goodbye to 36-year-old cornerback Jonathan Joseph, a guy who's had a great NFL career playing in over 200 games. Six starts this year for the Titans, uh, 28 tackles, one forced fumble, one interception, but, you know, not great in coverage in recent weeks. And then they also said goodbye to 28-year-old outside linebacker Vic Beasley. So after losing a second straight game and having it go down with a similar MO, meaning special teams didn't do a great job, there was a bad snap in particular, and the defense had problems, uh, John Robinson makes changes. Were you surprised that he made as many as he did, Coach Mack? Well, I mean, all of the changes, Mike, were made for different reasons. Let's say that, because all of those changes were not lumped into one category. But as you start looking at them overall, look, this is a bit, this is a production business. And it's a production business for everybody involved. It coaches, players, broadcasters, everybody. I mean, you've got to produce in this league. I mean, and, and when you're in this business, you're reminded of it every day that it's a, how many times have you guys heard me say every day is an interview in this league? So anyway, uh, the, the different releases were for different reasons. Bo Brinkley just was not the same ever since he came back, you know, from, from the COVID issue. He just never has been. He's not been consistent. He's been a model of consistency until he wasn't. And that's a problem. Okay. I think Jonathan Joseph's time had just run out. I mean, it was not anything about the person. It was not anything about the effort. And, and really, Mike, Jonathan Joseph was brought in here to be the fifth or sixth corner, let's be honest, if everybody's healthy, and to, and to, and to add maybe eight to ten snaps a game and to bring some real veteran presence to that room. Well, he had to start. That's not, that's not where he is right now in his career. Isaiah Mack, you know, clearly they were, they were, they were clearing space, wanted to get him back. That he, was, he was claimed he may be out there again. You don't know. You know, Vic Beasley was a lack of production. He was a lack of production. And that, to me, points, up, points out everything about this organization that I like. I like a lot because it's not about money. 
with this organization. It's about production. And also John Robinson stepped up and said, hey, I was trying to fill a spot. It did not work. It, it was the wrong guy. Uh, but we've got to let him go because he's not doing what we need done. And we need that roster spot for somebody that might produce more than what he's done. All right, Coach Mack, take it a step further with the Vic Beasley release. Your contention is not every team in the league would have released Vic Beasley at that point. Why did he do it then? And why does that make the Titans different than some, at least some other NFL teams? Well, because they would say, you know, we, we put nine and a half million dollars into him. You're going to have to you're going to have to live with it. And that's not that's not what good organizations do. That's not what organizations do where all your decisions are based on what's good for the football team at the time and winning football games. It's not it's not the fact that we paid him money. And so we've paid him money. So we're going to live with the fact that he's not producing like we thought he would. Good organizations cut their losses and move on to the next best player that can help you win the next game. Now, Mac, how does something like this impact the players that remain on the Tennessee Titans? Does it distract focus or does it maybe snap everybody into focus? You know, Amy, I don't think any of this group really need to be really needed to be snapped in because the kind of locker room that they have, this locker room loves ball and they know what they're doing. But look, they knew that he wasn't producing too. You know what I think this move does? It just affirms to them what they know about the about the organization and the culture that Amy Adams strunk. John Robinson and Mike Vrabel are making do here. Does it almost reaffirm their willingness to want to play for these coaches and play for John Robinson and play for Amy Adams Strunk, knowing that these are people who take this so seriously? Well, what it reaffirms is that they're telling them the truth. When they tell them what's expected here, then that's what's expected here. It's not, here's what we expect, but if, it, if you're paying you $9 million, it doesn't apply to you. No, it reaffirms that what they're being told is the truth. So it wasn't being done to set an example, and yet in the process, it does anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, you don't, do, you don't make a move to set an example. You make a move to get your team better. That's what you do. So the four moves put the Titans back at 49. And the, the one move that they made to acquire a player early in the week was bringing in cornerback Desmond King, from the Los Angeles Chargers, it's for a sixth-round pick. Remember, the Titans have three sixes. So I had, I had mentioned uh, on the OTP that I thought they might do something interesting there because it seemed like six was the range where everybody was making a trade. And so the Titans, with the extra six, go out and get Desmond King. It feels like he's a really good fit because he can come in quickly and play in the slot, Coach Mack. Well, absolutely. Absolutely it is. And they need help in the secondary. Let's just say that. And from the top, let's say this too. This football team has never had the starting secondary that they envisioned being here for 2020 from day one. Never. This starting secondary has never been together for one game so far into this season. Adoree Jackson has not been on the field. Uh, you know, Adoree Jackson uh, you know, has not been on the field with several of these guys that we have that we have brought in. So we need help there in the, in that position. We do, and I haven't studied I haven't studied Desmond King for from 
the Chargers this year. I know what he was vetting him coming out because I went back and checked my notes. Really smart. Played a lot of zone at Iowa. Excellent tackler. A, a, a good blitzer. A guy that's got, when you look at his combine numbers, has got excellent short area quickness, which is what you need in the slot. But he's a veteran player that's been on a team. You're not bringing somebody in off of the street. He has been with a club. He's in shape. And so I expect to see him play this Sunday. Even though he will not have practiced per se. I I expect to see him play. He's been on Zoom meetings with coaches. He's been on Zoom meetings with his teammates. Uh, The the main thing that he has to do, Mike, when I was a head coach, I did this several times, you know, and and especially uh, in the secondary, bring guys in uh, and, and, and have them play in the ball game. Because let me just say this, and this is true. Cover one is cover one for 32 teams in the league. Uh, Five under two deep is five under two deep. Quarters is quarters. The language is different. What he's been learning right now, along with the game plan, he's been learning the language that he's going to speak on the field with his teammates when he's making adjustments. But being able to play in the slot, we will see him on Sunday playing. All right, so he is not on the active roster yet until he clears COVID protocol, Amy. Once he does... He will take a roster spot. So that would be 50. We would think that a Dory Jackson is going to be 51 because if he's not activated this week, he has to go on IR for the whole year. So, Amy, even if he can't play on Sunday, and we're still going to wait for a designation on that, we would think, having seen him in practice, it looks like he's going to be able to play at some point. Does anybody disagree with that? Is Am I going... No, I, I think that absolutely Adoree Jackson will be returning to the active roster, but we have to remember that active roster doesn't necessarily mean active on Sunday. Correct. So I would guess, barring something that we are not privy to or some sort of setback that we're not aware of medically, it seems as though he will be returning to the active roster, taking that spot, and we will see him on the field at some point. I think that's the expectation pretty much from everybody. Certainly, that would be the hope. I agree with that. And Amy said it well. Now, maybe there's something else out there that he's just not responded, and they say it can't happen. But So we figure he's going to end up with one of the roster spots. Another roster spot goes to Matt Orzek. The Titans signed Matt Orzek from Azusa Pacific. You know where Azusa, California is, Amy? No, but I knew you were going to ask me as soon as it had a weird sounding word in it. I knew that was coming right my way. No, I don't know where Azusa, California is. Right by the San Gabriel Mountains, right, Coach? Yes, you would like it there, Amy. It's really nice. It's nice and warm, and it's a nice place. Oh, well, it's a nice place. that might be my next trip, Azusa. Matt Orzek is a long snapper. The Miami Dolphins drafted a long snapper from LSU named Blake Ferguson. And yet they kept Orzek, they signed Orzek to their practice squad. The Titans have to give him a roster spot because you can't go practice squad to practice squad. To sign somebody else from a practice squad, you've got to give him a roster spot. Ironically, he snapped last year, Orzek did, for Jacksonville. The guy he beat out in Jacksonville was Matt Overton. Matt Overton is currently on the Titans practice squad, and he has been doing the snapping for the Titans since they waived Bo Brinkley. What a small, small world the National Football League is. Everybody beat out everybody for something. 
Well, and especially the kicking world, they are all a subset of one another, Amy. They really are. Matt Orzek will not be the snapper on Sunday, however. He's got a clear COVID protocol. The Titans get a roster exemption for him until he clears protocol on Monday. So this Sunday, it's going to be Matt Overton snapping, long snapping that is, against the Chicago Bears. Coach Mack, we have reached the portion of the show that I've been looking forward to since last week. We had the idea to ask the people for some OTPQs. We haven't done that in a while. We figured since you're going to be here, it would be a good time for you to really engage with the OT people in a way that only you can do. So I asked them. They have, of course, responded. They have a lot of questions for you. Do you mind if I roll through some? You know that I absolutely love the OT people. I love them. Let's go. All right, Mac. So we're going to start with Steve from Jackson, Tennessee. He says, Arthur Smith has done an incredible job so far as our offensive coordinator. I'm sure that other teams are taking notice. And I'm wondering, does he have any goals to be a head coach one day? In a selfish way, I hope that we keep him long term. Steve, thank you for the question. Uh, Look, Arthur Smith, I've worked with Arthur. I mean, I know Arthur very, very well as a person and as a football coach. I can promise you this. His only interest right now is in the Tennessee Titans offense. That's all he cares about. He's not – he is not one of these ladder climber, look ahead guys, uh, you know, have a job and look for the next job. This guy is – has been focused – you know, since he started his coaching career, he's been focused on the task at hand. And, and sure, we all have aspirations. I had aspirations as a young coach when I got into the league, but I knew this, and I was told very early on, and Arthur knows this too, the chance that you have to do anything is dependent on the job you do today. That's what Arthur is concentrated on right now, is his job as the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. Well, and since we're talking about the offense, I think that James' question plays right in. He is from Montgomery Village, Maryland, and he says, is it too early to declare Isaiah Wilson a bust? I really would like to see Derrick Henry running behind him, but I'm just not sure it's going to happen. James, it's way too early. It's completely too early. You know, a lot of guys come into this league from a lot of different avenues, and and what you really have to be able to do, and, and this comes with experience in your front office and in your coaching staff, you have to have the experience to be able to, to have patience. With ev- Not everybody is going to come in and be on the same track as far as to where they go. Clearly, Isaiah has had some setbacks early, but it's way too early. You don't give up on people in this league until they get a chance to prove themselves on the field. All right, Mac, we're moving to the defensive side of the ball. And this is from Richard. And he says, I admire Kevin Byard a lot. He has very good ball skills and coverage IQ. But it looks to me that tackling is a weakness in his game. Has KB ever indicated that he has tried to improve that particular part of his game? Am I the only one who thinks that there could be some improvement there? Well, he's missed some tackles this year. But but look, I've coached for a long time in this league. I had some all-pro tackles. Pro Bowl tackles, I mean, Pro Bowl safeties perennially. They miss tackles in the open space. It just happens. The people that they're missing, they're getting paid to make them miss in open space. Kevin Byard is just fine. He's exactly who you want as your safety in the National Football League. 
Okay, this next one, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I'm going to try really hard. It looks like Sinjin from Waynesville, North Carolina. If I said that wrong, I need you to watch 90 Day Fiance so that you know where I got the pronunciation for that name. With the addition of Desmond King and the potential return of Adoree Jackson, can we expect a more aggressive approach on defense? Well, I think you'll, you, you, can, you can expect if they can get together and be together for a while, you know, a little bit more uh, unified group. This group has, the secondary group has not been together as a starting unit since the beginning of this season. This, this has been a lot of mix and match so far in our secondary. Last week against the Bengals, everybody that suited up that was active as a defensive back played from the line of scrimmage. We need to get a group of five or six guys and settle in to that group so that they can be, begin to develop not only some camaraderie in there, but some communication ability with one another and then a familiarity of playing with one another. If that helps your question, that's 100% true. If you can get people in the same spot over a period of weeks, that will help us immensely. Now, Randy from Wisconsin is looking way far into the future. He's playing the longest game right now, but he says it looks like the Jets may very well have the first pick in the draft. Trevor Lawrence would likely be that pick. Should the Titans look into trading for Sam Darnold? It looks like he needs a change of scenery like Ryan Tannehill did. That is so way far into the future. You know what? I, I, the crystal ball that Coach Mack has is big. It's not that big. <laughs> That's way too far into the future to even begin to think about. That's why I told you he's playing the long game. I appreciate the planning, really. All right, Mac, here's the last one for you, and I'm going to switch it up a little bit, but just ride with me here. Will from East Nashville says, seeing the behind-the-scenes videos of the Titans radio booth has been one of the highlights this season. The team does a great job putting them together, and I enjoy seeing Coach Mac and Mike in their element. My question is, what Titans moment do you wish that there was a video in the booth for? And I'm going to change that a little bit. Which Titans moment do you wish there was a video in the coach's booth for, Coach Mac? Well, uh, this year, if you're talking this year, or uh, if we're talking just specifically this year, I think any of Henry's long runs, you want, you want a camera in the booth of both groups, of Mike Keith and myself and everybody else in Titans Radio. And then I would imagine, I've been in a lot of coaching booths in my 35 years in this league, and I would imagine that coaching booth is pretty exciting too when Derrick Henry gets unwound on one of those long runs. Do you have any all-time Titans moments that you wish there was a camera to capture the moment for? Yeah, when we beat Baltimore in that playoff game. Yeah? Exactly the one I wanted because I was so happy. I was so happy. I'm not afraid to admit as a grown man that, you know, everybody thinks it's real cool that I was really close to crying. You know, it, I mean, because that made me really happy. <laughs> Mike Keith is losing his mind. I appreciate that Coach Mack is such a rock star that he almost cried and still had to preface it with like, I'm a grown man and I still didn't cry, but I came close. I like that about you, Coach Mack. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking some time to answer the questions from the OT people. I appreciate it. I know that they appreciate it as well. We love having you on the podcast. Thanks for doing this, Matt. Thank you, Amy Wells. You and the OT people are very, very special people. Now we turn this edition of the OTP to Who Loves the Titans? 
and we're joined by a guy who really loves the Titans, Riser House and Columbia Nashville artist Mitchell Tenpenny. Hello, sir. Good to see you. How's it going? Tighten up. Tighten up indeed. And we're excited to have you on for a lot of reasons, but also to tell the story of a guy who didn't have to relocate to Nashville to begin a music career because you, sir, are Nashville. Proud to be from Nashville. I'm, I'm born and raised here and, uh, and I love our sports and I, I'm very proud to call myself a Nashvilleian for sure. What part of town did you grow up in? Early on, Percy Priest area and then Green Hills uh, mostly from then uh, went to Dave Lipscomb High School. So kind of Green Hills and Brentwood back and forth. Did you always know you wanted to do music living in Nashville? Like, was that just in your blood? <laughs> yeah, my, my grandmother and my mother were in the, the industry. And so I grew up just surrounded by songwriters and artists and kind of, I, I say I bumped my head pretty early, I guess. But I did, I thought I was going to play football and sports. The doctor said I was going to be about 6'4". Completely didn't happen at all. I'm about 5'9", 5'10 on a good day. So music ended up you being and I the had the same doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had the same doctor. It kind of stalled out there in the old eighth grade. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. So many tie-ins. The, the football thing's such a big deal. And I know what is now known as Lipscomb Academy, and I'm sure you're proud of the success that they're having with their football program right now. Absolutely. But for all of the people who have had an influence on you, and I bet we could take an hour and name them all, I want to mention one that I, I'll bet you a quarter is a big part of your success, and his name is Glenn McAdams. I was just, just about to say it, yeah. Coach McAdams was at – Lipscomb for 31 years, and we lost him too early. He is a Hall of Fame coach, won over 300 games. And so many guys like you who played for him say, man, it was about football with him, yes, but in reality, it was about life with Coach McAdams. Man, I, it's, uh, I, I love that you brought his name up. He is the greatest coach of all time, in my opinion. Um, you know, what? besides winning a state championship with him, I – I run my entire business, my life, my company based on what he taught us as being a team. Uh, I build my team based on the teams we had, having to trust in one another. Um, he was old school. Again, he wouldn't even let us have single number jerseys because he wanted us all to be that same and unified. And, and you know, as kids, you get kind of frustrated with that. You're like, you want to look cool and do all the things. But he, I'm, I'm so happy for the way he coached us and, and, and led and um, again, I, I do everything based on uh, the way we were coached by Glenn McAdams. Rest in peace. He's a he's a legend. Now, I want to know what positions did you play for Lipscomb was linebacker and tight end. See, you don't have to be very tall to be a <laughs> linebacker and a tight end. You're fine. Uh, You're good. No, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Dante Hightower was a running back from Marshall County. And uh, and I got that's when I really got popped for the very first time. I, I, he, uh, that's a different that's a different breed right there. He's special. That's funny because they had a running back when I was in high school who ran me over numerous times named Rodney <laughs> Davis. So so we have several things in common. Play, playing against Marshall County, no fun for both of us. You thought you were going to MTSU to play? That was originally the plan? Yeah, I wanted to go play football. Um, you know, I visited a few schools, got, you know, some some partial offers, but I did when I got to college and, and started having some fun and stuff. I didn't really want to get up uh, early morning anymore and work out <laughs> the music, the music life uh, kind of lent, uh, lent itself to me a little bit more accessible. And uh, so I decided I would just stay and watch football the rest of my life and, uh, and go and go do music full time. 
So when did you decide that music business was what you needed to do? Was that, that seems more than just singing and songwriting and that kind of thing, correct? Yeah, I, I mean, like being blessed enough to grow up in Nashville and be around the music business side of it, I saw, you know, the things that you don't see a lot in the industry, which is, you know, signing bad contracts, things that, that are more than just picking up a guitar and playing. And I really wanted to know what I was getting into um, when, when, you know, when I really got into it, when a contract came in front of my face, how to read that contract, how to protect myself. And so when I went to college, it, it felt like the right thing to do to kind of be, you know, be well-rounded in the entire business, as well as, you know, be able to play a guitar and sing and do that. I think it's very important to protect yourself. And uh, so, yeah, it just made sense to do study music business when I went to MTSU. Mitchell Tenpenny, I want to talk about drunk me. <laughs> that didn't sound totally right. <laughs> Mike, we've all wanted to talk about drunk you for a while, well, actually. If, if the OT people know Mitchell Tenpenny, they know that was the 2018 hit. You say that's the one that put you on the map? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That song is, it is a beautiful song. It is beautifully oh. sung. It is beautifully arranged. I like it when you do it acoustically, maybe even better. <laughs> Thank you, um, it is so not what you think it's going to be when you hear the title. Now, I, I like a good drinking truck, you know. Yeah, Oh, I mean, I like those songs. I, I love them. But this is, this is not that at all. How do you put something together that intricate that obviously means so much? Yeah, I mean, I, I always say, I mean, that, that song, I, I was living that life um, at that time. You know, being the cliche, heartbreak, going to the bar trying to drink them off your mind. And I, I just wanted to write a song about someone who, who quit drinking for a little bit to actually stand a chance at getting over something. You know, you go to the bar, you start drinking, but it never, it never helps. And even more emotions flood in. And so there is a concept to me, like I, I like the, the title where everyone would think it's something, but then once you listen to it, it's something completely different. And um, I don't know, it was just one of those songs that just kind of worked out that day. It kind of wrote itself, honestly. Um, and it, it, yeah, it was our very first thing we did definitely put us on the map and, uh, it's a fun song to sing and hear people tell me their stories that are, that are the same way. Like, Oh, this helped me get over a breakup. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's, you know, I have those songs of artists that, you know, did that for me. And it's very special when someone tells, tells you that. Well, you should be very proud of it because that Thank is, you. um, I, I mean, it's phenomenal. I I've listened to it over and over again and you hear different things in it every single time. Thank and when you think about songs of any genre that you like, when you hear it and you hear something different every single time, that's unusual. So that's well, a great thing. Now, talking about like heartbreak and disappointment, that's kind of where we are right now. And, and I'm sure you are, too, being a Titans fan. Yeah, I wasn't sure where he was going with well, that. But you, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of a tough, <laughs> tough couple of weeks for us here. Yeah. Mitchell, how quickly did you become a Titans fan? The second that they were here, 1998, 99, we heard them coming. I was at Vanderbilt watching them play. Me and my brother were in a, the first commercial where it was, we said, I'm there. We were little kids. And I remember we, we waited in line forever to, to do that. So day one. Where were you during the Music City Miracle? Crazy story. So my, my grandma, like I said, was in the industry. Reba McIntyre let us use her box that game. And so... I was front row of a box, about 50-yard line, with all the free chicken tenders you could have. <laughs> and I threw it straight up in the air. It went everywhere below. I was so scared. I looked down at them, apologizing, and everyone's just cheering. didn't matter. 
it was just complete chaos. Uh, one of the most amazing moments I've, I've ever, you know, experienced in my life. I've never been to a sporting event that had that energy. I mean, maybe rivals it is, you know, Stanley Cup run here with Preds, but it was just something that I'll never forget. It was what, what a moment. Being able to experience that moment with the Titans so early and then see some of the other things that they've been able to do throughout their time in Nashville. How cool is it for you to say, hey, I was one of the first ones here. I started this. Nashville keeps uh, keeps making me proud every every time. Our city, the way it's grown for, from, from our teams, the way they've matured and become household names. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see what we've done. And I, I'm just a proud Titans fan. I love going, I love going around the country. And when people ask it, I love saying I'm a Titans fan. It's, and now we have a little bit more weight behind it, but it's, it's, it's fun to say. And but I think is my girlfriend's a Bills fan. So I get to hold oh. the music city miracle over her and uh, she's a Titans fan too, but she's from, you know, dual citizen from Buffalo too. So <laughs> we, we have a good little competition. Mitchell, who's your guy with the Titans? Who's your guy now? Who was your guy early on? Who do you love as far as Titans players? Yeah, I mean, right, right now, I mean, I'm just loving what Tannehill's brought in here. I mean, for for real, he's just just his poise, his leadership there. I, obviously, Derek, I, I just I love Tannehill, but I was a linebacker guy. Keith Bullock, leaders, leaders on the defense growing up. Um, even Samari Roll back in the day, I just love like watching him fire up. Like he would run around and pat everybody on the back in between each plays, and like just get them all pumped up. Uh, Blaine Bishop too back then. Like I love those defensive players that just hit hard. The, just those, those, I don't know, just those blue collar dudes just went and popped people. I, I love them. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot when I think about it, but I think Keith Bullock ultimately, ultimately Mr. Monday night is probably my all time favorite. Oh man. Mr. Monday night, when he hears this is going to have the biggest head. There will be no living <laughs> with him now. You mentioned that you like to uh, tout the Titans when you travel, you're on the road touring, you've toured with some great names. What is it like to be able to take a little bit of Nashville to some of these other cities? And when people ask you who you're cheering for to say the Tennessee Titans, I love it. I love it. Especially when we're winning. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot easier, but um, I don't know. It's fun. It's like, you know, year a few years ago when you said the Titans, people would just laugh or, or you know, not understand what, what that means. And now we just, we've kind of solidified ourselves as, as someone, you know, to be feared, a team to be feared, especially, I know Derek's had a lot to do with that. And obviously the CJ days, smash and dash during those times, people kind of noticed us a little bit more. What I love more is like even on quick commercials when they're showing quick NFL stuff, it was never Titans on it. Now we see Titans all the time. And, and so we've got a name that's kind of expanding across this country that, again, I'm very proud of and proud to say that that's my team. All right, so we're five and two. Yeah. Getting ready to go into this game with the Bears coming up. Give me some Mitchell 10 penny thoughts on what you want to see from the Titans this weekend. Let's get some – some Coach Mack analysis type yeah. going right here, Mitchell. Well, defense wins championships. That's first off. I like the Desmond, the trade we just did. It really just comes down to we got to get off the field on third downs. I mean, I loved, I love what we did last game. If you look at the stats, we should have won. We had a couple questionable calls on some momentum drives there, uh, one being the Humphreys hit, and that didn't make any sense to me not getting a penalty there. So I think we're great on offense, keep doing what we're doing, and we just got to get off the field uh, on third downs. It's, it's insane. Uh, that's it. And I think that's going to come from our secondary, you know, play using the field as their advantage. I mean, we had two touchdowns scored where the end zone and sideline, it's, it's like, how are you letting them get in front of you there? So I think they're going to go back and look at that linebackers back up a little bit deeper and uh, just keep doing what we're doing. Keep feeding the beast with the ball 
and uh, I think we'll be fine. Mike Keith, it always feels good to ask a football guy for football analysis. Like, that's the best thing we've gotten on the podcast in a long time. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not somebody who jumps on the bandwagon either. And listen, we appreciate all the bandwagon jumpers. We'll take everybody. Oh, yeah. that's, Absolutely. That's, what we've Absolutely. Said all, that's what we've said all along. We will take people jumping on the bandwagon. But Nashville guy, football guy, serious guy, you know, he was involved in the 98 commercial. I'm there September 13th, 1998, <laughs> when we lost to Ryan Leaf in the San Diego. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow. But we were there, right? We yes, were there. I'm and, there. I'm there. And it, it was big. You're the real thing. And I, I'm just going to say one more time. Uh, so proud of you. I know the Lipscomb community is very proud of you. And what a voice, what a talent you are. And we're just elated that you're a Titan fan and that you took time to be with us on the OTP. Thank you, Mitchell Tenpenny. I'm honored, man. Tighten up. Go Mustangs. There you go. New single is broken up. Neon Christmas EP has just dropped. He is flying up the charts all the time. Mitchell Tenpenny, we appreciate it. Thank you, Mike, Amy. Appreciate it. Amy Wells, how good was Mitchell Tenpenny? Golly, that is so cool. Just a cool dude. And uh, I hope I run into him somewhere in my journeys around Nashville because I just want to shake his hand. I get that. Mm -hmm. He's Coach Mack, though. Nobody is. A guy who almost cried one time and still apologized for it. I admitted it, though. <laughs> we'll, we'll remind you to look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of health care coverage. Thanks so much to Farm Bureau Health Plans for their sponsorship of the OTP. For Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. We appreciate you being with us and listening to the OTP. Where the legends go, everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.